jambalaya and justice, personality and pokeballs, lingua and love, the Help Yourself Podcast, where in every episode, Brian and Nick invite you to help yourself to bite-sized philosophy. Welcome to Help Yourself, Food and Philosophy with Brian and Nick. I'm Nick. And I'm Brian. And we've convinced someone, finally, to come and talk with us. Before we introduce our special guest, what are you eating, Brian? Well, you guys have all heard me sing the praises of Clean Eats because that makes it convenient and easy for me to have delicious meals. That's not paid content, by the way. I'm not, uh, I'm not talking about, <laughs> they're not sponsoring us or anything, but I do enjoy their food. Uh, today, I had Swedish meatballs, and it was on their meal plan this week. It was uh, green beans, basically like three medium-sized meatballs with some of that Swedish kind of gravy on top of it, and then it was over a bed of rice. It was very delicious, and it fit into my goals for the year, which is to eat more healthy and to try to lose weight, so I know the calories and the fat and the carbs and uh, all the other stuff for it so it's a uh, it was a very good meal let me put it that way although I will say that I did not get it heated up as much as I would have liked I put it into my little hot box a little bit late this morning hot box <laughs> Nick is making a face right now I, I know what it is but you I'm know what everyone else in this conversation knows what that is <laughs> I have I have a a little thing that I bought off Amazon that is, and I always forget the name of it. I call it a hot box or hot topic or something like that. I know hot topic is a, is a, is a store, but I just can't remember the name of it ever. So it's this little thing that looks like a lunch box. It zips up on the top, but it has a plug coming out of it and has a little mini hot plate in the bottom of it. So if you're putting, you can plug it in and basically uh, it will actually cook food like a crock pot over the long haul. So over a couple hours, it'll actually cook food from raw. I've never used it for that, but uh, it actually heats up food from frozen to uh, nice and like you, like you're, like you take it out of the oven kind of feeling, not the microwave oven, but the actual oven. And it does, it takes about two hours. So when I get to my office in the morning, I just throw my lunch in there. And by the time lunch is, comes around, I have a hot lunch that feels like it just came out of the oven. So I didn't get it in very uh, early this morning, and so it was not as heated as I would like, but it was still delicious. Makes sense? Yeah. So this time it was a not so hot. <laughs> exactly. Well, well, I do at least want to name our guest, introduce her a little bit. We have Mary Dunn with us. We're pretty close with her. Uh, she is the president of our Toastmasters Club. She's actually my realtor, and before all that, she was a, and is a close friend. And I also see that she's eating something. So, Mary, you want to say hello and maybe talk a bit about what you are ingesting for our <laughs> studio audience? Uh, sure. I, um, well, I mean, you, you said who I was, but I had um, roasted butternut squash leftover from yesterday, some uh, kale sautéed with onions, and then I, for dessert, I had this amazing gluten-free vegan applesauce spice cake that I made. It was delicious. And I'm having that with a cup of my own version of bulletproof coffee. 
What's your What's your own version of bulletproof coffee? Um, I just use a big a big uh, dollop of Thai coconut milk, and that way I'm still getting the fat, but I'm getting that you know creaminess and all of that, and not adding the. And I still make it butter butterproof, <laughs> bulletproof sometimes, <laughs> but this is just one of the one of the many ways. Okay, I just wasn't sure if there's Kevlar or you know, <laughs> a special glass in there. I'm working on that. And you also said a lot of words about that cake. First of all, thanks for making me go first and saying that I ate healthy. And then Mary, <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm like, wow, I'm really not eating healthy at all. <laughs> but, you know, I was going to ask about the cake. You said a bunch of words in there. So gluten-free, applesauce, spice, Vegan. something else. What was there? Well, there was something else in there too, wasn't there? Vegan. Vegan. So is that, so are you, do you typically eat gluten-free vegan all the time? I eat gluten-free all the time. I've been eating vegan because my youngest son has decided that he wants to try going vegan and he's tried it a few times and he just couldn't stick to it. And so I thought, you know, I'm big on support and I thought the best way I could support him was by not keeping meat in the house. So, and I still have ghee. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, I mean, the milk fat's cooked out of it and I make my own. So, um, we still have that in the house and, but pretty much, you know, everything I fix for dinner and things like that is, is vegan. And then when I want to eat a big old steak, I go out and eat or I do it when he's not home. Got it. I just don't want to tempt him. And if, you know, and if he doesn't stick with it, I'm good with that. But I, I, I don't want to be the reason, you know, I don't want to be the temptation that keeps so would you say that your your diet's been reduced in meat? I mean, obviously you're eating less meat because you're not, you don't have yeah. it in the house. So, so how is that? Is that, have you noticed the difference in you, like your feel, the way that you feel, uh, energy levels or anything like that? Not really. I mean, I've, I kind of have, you know, been a healthy eater all along anyway. Um, and I know when I need a steak, I, w- I will crave one and yeah. it's, you know, I know I need it. So I'll go eat it. You're getting low but- on iron or something. What's that? I said you're getting low on iron or something. Yeah, and I actually, my my iron does fluctuate. But um, yeah, I've always been very conscious about what I eat. So, you know, I eat a lot of organic and I'd eat all gluten-free. Yeah. So I, I haven't noticed a huge difference, um, you know, but it's... Now back back to the cake, did you did you make, you make the cake yourself? Yeah. So was it difficult and was it... No, uh, no? no it was really easy. And it's funny, I, I didn't have any you know, magical reason for making the cake. It was, I was looking in my refrigerator and I'm like, God, I got these big things of applesauce I need to get rid of. What can I do with them? <laughs> and cause we were making, we actually were making Christmas ornaments um, and they called for applesauce and cinnamon and you cook, you know, you cook little gingerbread things. And, and so when we were finished making the ornaments, we had all this applesauce. What did I do with applesauce? And uh, so I just looked up vegan applesauce cake because I knew, um, I knew a woman who used to make this amazing apples case. And I found these crimson raisins that are out of this world. They're at, I caught, I found them at, uh, I caught them. I found them at Kroger, you know, in the section where they have the, the nuts and the dried fruits and things like that. And they're, you know, in plastic containers. And um, this recipe called for golden raisins, which I like, but I thought I'm going to go see what they have over there. And they had these crimson raisins and it, it looks like a mix of sort of reddish and golden 
and they're different sizes, and they were so good. I'm not a huge, huge raisin fan, but these were great. So that's in the Keiku. So, but yeah, it was really easy to make, and, and I mean, it came out looking amazing. I would show you, but it's on now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. I would assume with all the varietals now of grapes that they have, that I think we've talked about, I don't know if we have talked about, that. they have the cotton candy grapes. Have you tried those? So they have grapes that literally taste like cotton candy. And now I don't know if that's like a natural thing or if that's i I'm pretty sure it is a natural varietal. They've mixed a few together, but the, the natural flavor of them is like cotton candy. And so apparently it's a big thing that they sell out of a lot at different stores, but I guess different, like, just like apples, they have so many different varietals. Now you would, you would imagine that they have many, many different kinds of raisins that are coming out of those, right? Yeah, so. I love. Have you ever had, seen those fingerling grapes? No. Oh, they're so good. They look, they're shaped like a finger. Wow. And they're really dark on the outside, you know, and they, they have kind of a thick skin. Oh, they're delicious. Yeah. Ryan, are you saying varietals? Varietal, yeah. Is that, that not the word? word? Yeah, it is. Okay. I'm learning. I'm pretty things. sure. Wait, if, you, if you don't think it's a word, then email us at <laughs> at brynick, B-R-Y-N-I-C.com and let us know, is, my, is that a word or is it not a word? I'm pretty sure it's a word. It's, you can it's Google not it. a word of the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what about you, Nick? We have skipped you conveniently, not to leave our guests uh, lunch, but we've skipped you conveniently. What are you eating or what have you eaten or what would you like to eat? What's what's so convenient about oh, skipping me? Mary's holding up a holding up a thing, varietal. Let's see, what does it say? Yeah. Uh of a wine or grape. Wow. Bam. <laughs> Education. Okay. That's just one of the many services we provide at help yourself. <laughs> well, see what's funny is I was gonna say I was eating healthy too, and I think both of you put me to shame. I have two hamburger patties with bacon. And the bacon has been specially prepared to be sweet, heat, sweet, heat, heat, sweet, heat. It's maple okay. syrup and cayenne pepper. So with each each bite, it's like, ooh, that's sweet. Ooh, there's some heat. Ooh, there's some sweet. Ooh, there's some heat. Oh, there's some more heat. Oh, that's sweet. It's just great. It's a dynamic roller coaster of flavor. And then the the leftover sauce she put on the side for me. And she, as my audience knows, and as Mary knows, is Dory, my girlfriend. She she takes care of me. And that sauce is for my tater tots get. And they're still baking. Is that what's they're probably done and they're just elsewhere. So later on I'll step away. So for those of you listening at home, if you're if you're rating, you can go um good, better, best for our lunches. And that's Nick is good, mine's better, and then our guest is best, of course. I think you just stepped the ballot. <laughs> <laughs> bias into the sample there <laughs> it's it's low carb though right yeah it's not high yeah. carb anyway <laughs> sounds really good you like a lot of bacon varietals though because last time varietals see this the word of the podcast today for the, is varietals it's varietals are of wine or grapes sorry, not sorry, of sorry. bacon okay varieties how about that there we go i'll use the varietal of the word and I'll say varieties. Okay. <laughs> no, you, you, I mean, I know a, a few episodes ago, you were actually eating some homemade spicy bacon that, um, that Dory had made at home. So 
but yeah, you like I said. She remade it at my request. It was so good. Perfect. But yeah, so we have Mary here because she's an excellent conversationalist. She's a good friend. And though we have a ton of things in common, there's one thing that we don't that I want to call special attention. I have a distant awareness and appreciation for the man known as Tony Robbins. Mary's affection and appreciation for this gentleman is much more proximate. And I've always had a passing curiosity, but nothing so serious as to do any research on my own. So this is a great excuse to have Mary on the show, and we can grill her on anything and everything about Tony Robbins, the the non-guru guru himself, and see what she does and doesn't know. You didn't tell me this was going to be a test. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Are you a true fan? Let's see. Yeah, exactly. What did Tony Robbins have for breakfast this morning? (laughs) Well, let me tell you. You might actually know. He probably has a routine, doesn't he? (laughs) (laughs) No, what I was going to say is just on top of that is, is maybe the first place to start is how did you begin your relationship or how did you get into starting to begin your relationship a little strong, I guess, but I'll go with it. Uh, so tell us, tell us a little bit about that. Like how long have you been a fan slash believer, follower, you know, listener of Tony Robbins? So I think you, um, you hit the nail on the head the first time. And, and I've mentioned this to you all before. I fell in love with this guy named Tony. He was, he was called Anthony back then. Um, on my couch in the middle of the night, I happen to have a couple of young children, so I'm thinking that would have been 30-ish years ago. So I don't know what compelled me because I I had never really been interested so much in that kind of thing. I mean, I was always kind of fascinated with things like organization. Um, you know, I was I was always into planning and that kind of thing, but I really wasn't full-blown into this, you know, self-help mindset that I'm so much a part of now. I mean, that's my, you know, I say I'm a self-help junkie. And I I remember watching him and thinking, you know, when you're growing up, you, you'll see a rock star or an athlete or, you know, something along those, a movie star, you know, and you'll think, oh my God, that's, I want to be that person. Well, me, I was like, oh my God, this is who I want to be. I want to be this guy. Like, I want to be able to influence people the way he does. Um, I want to be able to take my life and transform it the way he has done his. And so that start that started the journey. I immediately, I couldn't afford the program that they were selling. So I immediately purchased his book, Unlimited Power. The infomercial, uh, the infomercial was for... I think it was Unlimited Power 2, and it was the cassette tape set and all that. Interestingly enough, several years later, um, my husband at the time was, he was a maintenance person. And so he, you know, was cleaning up the grounds at the condominium complex he worked for. And he found those personal power cassette tapes and brought them home to me. And I was like, you know, I mean, he could not have brought me anything that would have made me any happier. And they were used, but they were they were still good. And so I immediately, you know, started listening to those. But it took, it, you know, it took a few years for me to really start using it. And I think that's what he embodies that I have become more and more drawn to as I get older. It, it's not enough to read the book 
or to watch the video, you have to do something. And that's one of the things that he always says is that, you know, at the, at the site of learning, you have to take action before you leave that place. So, and, and it doesn't have to be that you do everything, but if you are, say, for example, you're reading a chapter in a book, before you get up and go about your life, find one thing that you can take action on about what you just read. It could be, it could be as simple as, you know, scheduling something on your calendar or picking up the phone and, and making an appointment for something, you know, but always take action on what you just learned. And I, you know, I ended up becoming a teacher and so I think throughout my teaching career, I kept learning things that brought me back to what I learned from Tony Robbins. And I mean, there's so much. Um, and I, you know, I'll let you ask another question before I start taking over. Well, before we, before we go on another question, I'll let, I'll let Nick ask one if he has one. But uh, I was going to say, you, you said you're a self-help junkie. And I was going to sarcastically say, like, Nick and I have no idea what you're talking about. Because uh, we don't, we aren't junkies at all. You know, we're, we're only doing a a, a self improvement podcast. Um. Just for the no, no, this this isn't self help, food and philosophy with Brian and Nick. This is help yourself. It, like help yourself is not the same as self help. Totally different. It's totally different. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't realize there was a distinction there, Nick. <laughs> so, put putting on the spot a little bit. What's something you've taken action on? that you feel like you learned recently? Or what's an example of you applying that um, since falling in love, so to speak? With uh, there's so many things I can't even begin to tell Fair you. Enough. One of them was I was in a bad marriage and I, you know, I, and, and this wasn't directly Tony Robbins, but it was because of what I learned from him. Mm -hmm. I went to a workshop and it was a very experiential workshop. And in this workshop, I thought I was going, like in my mind, my intention was I'm going to this workshop because I'm getting ready to start a new career. I had just gotten my teaching degree. I'm getting ready to start this new job and this is going to help me kind of start, you know, on the right foot. And then while I was at this event, it, it became clear to me what I was really there for or what I needed to do was to get divorced. I, it, I was really in a situation that was not fixed. And so in that moment, when I had that realization, I made the commitment right then to do something about it. And so as soon as I was home, I called, you know, called the courthouse to find out how I would pull a divorce decree because someone else had told me, if you write up your own divorce, they can't not let you get divorced, you know. So I was looking at thousands of dollars that I didn't have versus what can I do on my own? So I went to the courthouse. I pulled three divorce decrees with identical situations to ours. And because I wanted to compare the three, I made a hybrid of them. And at the time I didn't have a computer. I mean, word processors, word processors were new. So I'm literally pecking on a typewriter using legal size paper and measuring everything out to make sure it's all right. Drew up my own divorce and got divorced for $90. And that is something I never would have done if I hadn't decided to take action on something, you know, based on what I had learned. So, and I, and it's funny, as silly as that sounds, that's a, that was a big deal to me. It was like, I made this thing happen that I thought couldn't happen. Well, that, that's a huge deal. I mean, yeah, not just the, like the emotional overcoming that's involved there, but even the financial, right? You, you've 
for 90 bucks, you, you saved a thousand bucks. That's a huge return on investment. And yeah. And one of the things, Tony, one of the things Tony says is that it's not about having resources. It's about being resourceful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's where that asking that question, what can I do comes in or or contributes to that, right? That Mm -hmm. you start looking for resources. What can I do? What can I learn? Who can I ask for help? Who can I learn from? Um, so one, one, I got a question and a follow up. One, what's a cassette tape? <laughs> you're saying you had them on cassettes. Oh, come on. You're not that young. You're not that young. Uh, people can Google that. We'll, we'll move on from that. Uh, <laughs> but then two, it, so for someone who's unfamiliar with Tony Robbins and just thinking about all the exposure you've had with regard to events, books, tapes, like what would you recommend to someone who wanted to, I don't want to say get started with Tony, but like start putting some practice behind the curiosity. I'd say I wish that I had started with a live event because head mm-hmm. knowledge is great, but it it's nothing compared to being there experientially and going through just because I remember reading about, uh, you know, he was really one of the first people to talk about NLP. And I can remember reading about NLP, you know, neuro-linguistic programming. And now he, he even has changed the, what he calls it. He calls it neuro-linguistic conditioning because there's some negativity around programming. It makes it sound like you're trying to program other people. And, and there's that whole sort of robotic thing. But in the, the conditioning, he talks frequently about you can't do one push-up and expect to be fit. So you can't do one thing in the realm of self-help and expect to be fixed, you know, so so you're constantly conditioning yourself. And I totally forgot the question. Well, (laughs) I need to, in the moment I need to ask, what about seven push-ups? Oh, what would you ask them to do? Seven would work if you do seven every day, (laughs) you know. Okay. Three reps of seven. Not seven total. Yeah, so (laughs) I, I remembered the question now. So, you know, what would I recommend someone do first? I went to to UPW, Unleash the Power Within, last year. I've always wanted to do the the fire walk, and I've heard about it and was excited about it, but I just never really made the time to do it. And for whatever reason, oh, I know exactly why. Someone actually was kind enough to buy me a ticket. And I went, and I remember telling the person when they asked, I was like, this has been a dream of mine, you know, And it's so funny because I look back now and I think how ridiculous, (coughs) excuse me, I could have bought that ticket years ago, but for whatever reason, I didn't do it. And, and what it did for me was all the things that I'd been reading about, I got to experience firsthand. And so there's something much more permanent about visceral learning, you know, than about intellectual learning. And that's something I'm still learning over and over and over you know, I belong to a group that that's, they have events and that, that's their whole thing is that it's experiential. You don't have to remember anything that you experience mm-hmm. because your body will remember it. And so, you know, I remember people saying, oh, I don't want to go do all that rah-rah. It is rah-rah, but there's a, a scientific purpose behind the rah-rah and it's physiology. And I remember I, I was thinking about this recently because I knew I was going to be coming on here And I can remember as a child, I used to sit slumped over with my head down. I wouldn't look up and my hair was usually long and in my face. 
And, you know, I think of the, the daughter on the Incredibles, you know, before she <laughs> got her superpowers or whatever. Um, and I didn't realize how much I was contributing to my own unhappiness simply by my physiology. And so that's one of the things that he talks a lot about is, you know, your physiology. So if you're up jumping around for 15, 16 hours at an event, you know, you would think that you would be tired when it's over. But that's actually completely the opposite. You are so completely hyped up that, I mean, it was hard to go to bed because I was so wound up. And I'm not exaggerating, 16 hours straight. And I'm such a all-in person, I would not leave five minutes early. I'm not going to miss anything, you know. So I was there the whole time. And, you know, there's just so much of what I learned by physically being in my body. And I know that sounds crazy to some people, but, you know, fully experiencing what's happening instead of thinking about it. Because I am pretty intellectual. I like to think. And so to move it down into you know, into an experience makes a whole, a, a whole nother experience out of it. And which reminds me of the firewalk. So the firewalk is something that I thought was going to be a culminating activity at the end. I had no idea that the firewalk was going to be the first night you were there. Spoiler warning. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I don't, I don't know that it's a secret or anything, but his whole concept was that if you can do this on the first night, you're going to be able to do everything else I ask you to the rest of the week. And so... Uh, eat the frog first. The well, and it's not even that. It's find something, this body, of, you know, start building that body of evidence. And if you know, oh, I can do that, well, then the next thing's easier. And you're, you know what you're doing? You're expanding your comfort zone. Yeah, and that's that's funny you mentioned that because that's exactly what I was thinking about while you were talking about the live events. I think people people can sometimes will think about getting out of your comfort zone as being, oh, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get uncomfortable, and I think it's presented in that way many times. But getting out of your comfort zone couldn't be could be just going to an event that you're completely energized and that you're lo you're loving being there, and you, it's fun to be out of your comfort zone to go to an event like that where you're energized. You're listening to things. You're around other people of like mind who are trying to do the same thing that you're trying to do, and uh, yeah, it's it's just a real a real interesting concept because, like I said, um, even though you were like ecstatic and having a great time and energized and not able to go to bed, it's still out of your comfort zone. Even though you were probably pretty comfortable while you were there. And well, I'll give you a really good example of that. I still struggle with moving my body. I'm, I'm very body conscious. And so even you guys have seen me give speeches. I, I just struggle with using my body a lot. And it just comes from lots of deep rooted issues, you know, and at the event that I did a lot of that. I mean, we're literally jumping around and dancing. There's one and I will spoiler alert here. There is one point where they're trying where, you know, Tony is trying to get you to understand that until you can see these thoughts that you've taken so seriously as something that's ridiculous, you will continue, you know, to do those things. And so there's one um, exercise that they do where we literally, he'll say, he says, hold up one finger, now hold up the other finger. Now you're going to put this finger up this nostril, 
put this and literally you're sitting there with your fingers up your nose and you're talking to each other and it's hilarious and everybody starts laughing and you know it's 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 crazy but again that took me out of my comfort zone it wasn't like i was you know terrified or anything like that it was like i don't like to look stupid and i looked stupid and it was a blast i had a fun i had a lot of fun sorry uh, I think I've heard that referred to as a pattern break. Yes. Where, you know, you, you break out of your script, you know, like the cashier asks you out of your day and you say, my dog is dying to mess with them or, you know, break them out of the, the verbal routine. But, yeah. Uh, that's... Talking with someone with your fingers up your nose. Yeah. Definitely breaks the typical situation people are used to. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's well, why it... Tony uses such colorful language too. <laughs> does the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's not, he's not a G rated speaker. Um <laughs> I've heard I've heard him actually on podcasts and that, you know, it's it's a uh, yeah, he, he says he says it uh, in raw language a lot of times. So mm-hmm. but hey, I wanted to go back to uh, something you mentioned a little while ago, which is that NLP, that neuro linguistic programming, neuro linguistic uh, conditioning is what I guess you said. Tony has changed his sort of verbal. Uh, it, yeah. yeah, what he calls it. But can you talk a little bit about that? Maybe just for the benefit, first of all, for me, because I don't necessarily know what that entails but also just for the benefit of our audience so what what is what exactly is that and how do you do that in practice um there's lots of different ways to look at it but as an as one example when someone is talking to you if they are looking and there's been this conversation that that there's a certain certain behaviors are on one side of the body and other behaviors are on you know the other side and you'll understand more when i get finished here but i have been taught recently that it doesn't necessarily it's not the same for every person so you have to learn the other person's patterns so for example if i'm talking to you and i'm expecting a response back from you and you start to respond and you look up and to the left you are probably and i and i get the sides mixed up myself you are either remembering it or you're constructing it now a lot of people would say if you're constructing it you're about to lie But constructing doesn't necessarily mean you're lying. It could be that you're coming up with something that you don't have any experience of, so you are creating it. So, and then there's, so if it's up and to the right, it's visual, or either way, up and to the right or left, it's visual. So you are envisioning something. You're remembering what it looks like or whatever. If you're looking to the sides, you're remembering what somebody said, you're hearing it. And then if you look down to either side, it's, I think it's, yeah, it's kinesthetic. And I've recently found there's a new distinction that one side is kinesthetic remembered and one is kinesthetic digital. And kinesthetic digital is, uh, I'm trying to remember exactly how they put it. Um, I don't remember, so I'm not going to say it. It'll come to me. But Mm -hmm. kinesthetic digital is something that, um, oh, I know what it is. It's, It's the way you talk to yourself. So, um, which is kind of something new. I haven't heard that, you know, for several years, you know, until recently. Um, The point is that when you're talking to somebody, if you watch their body language, you can tell what they're doing mentally. Now, that's just part of it. Another part of neurolinguistic programming is, say, for example, like Nick was saying, you want to break your pattern. Maybe you've had a, you know, a constant negative thought that is impeding you in some way there are a multitude of ways that you can erase those thoughts or change them. Um, some of them might be something like you might, 
imagine the scene that that maybe there's a, a bad memory and you imagine that memory you know and if you describe it in that moment when it's got a hold of you it's it more than likely it's going to be bright it's going to be big it's going to be loud it's going to be in move you know moving pictures it's going to be in color and so what you want to do is you want to take that power away from it so you will take that visual image and in your mind you're going to make it smaller you're going to make it still instead of you know video um you're going to make it less vibrant you're going to you're going to make the sound low and then you might just mentally you know crumble it up and throw it away or burn it or whatever but it's all mental but it it works and again you can do other things that are not mental as as i was saying you know i remember i was working with a guy in canada um he was helping me overcome stage fright and so he gave me this exercise to do and he said i want you to sing this song completely off key and i was like okay he says well you know it sounds easy but believe it or not it's harder than you think so i start singing and you know and i kept just naturally coming back to the melody and I couldn't help myself. And I, you know, and so he immediately got right, just in my face and yelled at me and said, stop making your song more important than my exercise. And I, I, for like for a split second, I almost teared up, but then I immediately understood what he was doing. He was breaking my pattern and we talked about it later, you know, so that's a, a, you know, a, a more, overt way you know that you can do it or you know you can do it with someone else so there's yeah there's just tons and tons of information out there now about neurolinguistic and you know it's a fascinating subject i think i wonder mary in our last episode we had talked about uh overcoming limiting beliefs and how a like competing affirmation can counteract that right so it's like i don't I don't make enough time for my family or, you know, I, I don't care about my family and I'm coming to that limiting belief, right? Because I'm not spending time with my family. But if I say something like, well, I make time for the people who are important to me, such as my family, then I want to follow that pattern. I wonder, is, is any of that relate maybe to this? Yeah, it does. Thing? It does. But I, I think that, you know, like in the situation that you're talking about, I would ask myself is, are the things that I'm doing that are keeping me away from my family, are those things that are benefiting my family? Then maybe look at it from that perspective. You know, I am, you know, I work hard to, you know, to provide for my family or, you know, whatever it is. And I also think, um, you know, it's the, I guess the question is, do you do the affirmation first or the action? And I, Tony would actually say you do the action. Um, they're both will work. No question about it. I would say, he, I would, would say, he would say, force yourself to do the action first. So spend that time with your family and then follow up with the affirmation because the affirmation is going to solidify the action. It's going to ensure that you do the action again. Right. Like I definitely think that both are necessary. Like you can't have one without the other. It's just a matter of, Maybe it's chicken and egg, or maybe it is action first. I see the wisdom. Action is action, action first, first is always faster. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I know we've talked about it before on on, on here. Uh, just talking about um, how to how to 
continue on with goals that you set for yourself when those goals seem to be, you seem to be losing your track a little bit. Maybe, maybe you've fallen off the horse completely and you had this goal and this great intention, but uh, you know, and ultimately I think one of the conclusions that we sort of came to was exactly that is when you've fallen off the horse or when you need to get back on track, find something that's an action item, something you can physically do and do that rather than I'm going to make another list or I'm going to plan, do put some more effort into planning my goal or doing things like that. That, that has its place. And we've talked about it before and Nick and I have talked about it before, but that action item, if you can focus on that, like you said, it gets you a little bit of a win and you need those. Otherwise you're, you just sort of, uh, will will vacillate back and forth or stagnate and where you're like, I, I feel like I'm not making progress. It's like, well, that one little thing that you do that day, right then, when you said you were going to do it to your brain is like, I just did something. And that's always fascinating to me because I've been one of those people in the past where it's the, it took me, well, let me, let me put it in, in Toastmasters context since we're, since you're familiar with that. You know, it took me four and a half months to walk through the door of a Toastmasters club after somebody had said, Hey, Toastmasters would do something good for you. And I kept saying, yeah, you know what? I, in my head, I was like, yeah, he's right. And do I want the result that Toastmaster gives? Do I want to be able to speak more clearly? Do I want to be, or do I like being around people? Yeah, I, I like being around people, but then could never quite get the, you know, the push to do it. And that one Saturday morning was just, okay, well, this is it. I'm setting the alarm. I'm doing it. And I'm not thinking about it. I'm not thinking about doing it. I'm not thinking about what's going to happen when I walk through. I'm just going to go there. And, uh, and I know that that's, I know my experience is not different than many people's. In fact, we just heard a speech last Saturday, I think from one of our members that said when, when he tried to go, he would park in the parking lot and, and not couldn't bring himself to come in to a, a room full of strangers. And, and his, he now says that the Toastmasters has given him such tremendous uh, benefits from all the things that he's done. So that, like I said, that action item is just so important to, to, to get people to do something. Um, so. Well, that reminds me, Mary, I think we've talked about this before, like the, the power of making a, a true decision. Like there's been plenty of times where I've, say thought about going on a diet and just didn't or thought about fasting you just kick the idea around and you never really do anything and then just one day you decide like you know what i'm not going to eat today no matter what i'm just i'm just not going to do it or when i gave up video games um but i think i remember we we had a conversation once back when i did that fast like just for the weekend but having just remind me what um what you have to say about that i don't know but i know that tony says that you know it's the moments of decision that shape your destiny. It's those little decisions day after day after day that make or break you. And I don't know what, I don't remember exactly what you were talking about, but I know for me, you know, my Zumba instructor has not been able to hold classes. And so I have just gotten completely out of my exercise routine. And so at the beginning of the year, I was like, I'm going back to the gym. And I was doing that same thing. I was talking to myself about it and, you know, making all these plans and they were never coming to fruition. And so finally I did the same thing. I was like, all right, I'm going to the gym tomorrow. If I don't do anything, but literally drive to the gym, I'm going to the gym. I went into the gym. I went in, got, went in, got on the treadmill, literally walked for 10 minutes and left. 
but I did it. Mm-hmm. And the next day it was easier to go. And the next day it was easier to go. And then I decided, okay, I have this uh, physical fitness thing that I'm doing. And so I knew that every quarter I go for this evaluation and I actually lost ground this last time. So I thought, okay, I know the only way I'm going to get better is if I stick to this, you know, the, the whole conditioning thing. And so, you know, here I am, I'm going to the gym regularly, but I wasn't doing anything meaningful in as far as training for this event that I'm going to be participating in. Um, so the day that I finally decided to do it, I was like, that's it. I'm doing it. I'm going to, you know, so I went and got a trainer and, and, you know, he, we came up with a plan together and then I left, you know, and then the next day I came back, I'm like, okay, the plan is not enough. I've got to do it now. And I remember being very stuck and I've, I've been, I've worked out before. I've been a gym rat in the past, you know, but I haven't in a long, long time. And so I thought, you know, maybe if I just wait and come back tomorrow, or maybe if I, you know, and I started having this conversation with myself and I caught myself and I thought, stop it. And I just, I'm like, I'm walking over there. I don't care if I look like an idiot. I'm just going to walk over there and I'm going to start looking for the machine that I'm looking for. And I struggled a little bit because I, you know, but I got on that first machine and every, everything after that was easier. And I still, you know, still didn't know where everything was, but just doing that one. And it kind of reminds me of the firewalk the most profound thing that I learned from the fire walk is, and it's going to sound funny, but it's true. All you have to do is take that first step because I promise you, once you're on those hot coals, you're going to keep moving. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, but it's, that's true for everything. It's like, once you get to the gym, it's so much easier to do what you need to do while you're there. And frequently, I mean, how many times have you guys said, I'm going to go for a five minute walk and it ends up being a 15 or a 20 minute, walk? you know, so it's just taking that first step. That's just because I'm bad at distance and time management. <laughs> yeah. Why the yeah. five-minute walk becomes 15. The other thing I was going to say. That was a joke. Sorry. Yeah, Mary's not amused. She's like, he just undercut my whole point. <laughs> no, don't you remember my last speech where I said, if I smile and nod my head a lot, that means I didn't hear what you said? Oh, okay. It's because I was talking about <laughs> No, what I was going to say is that I, I can tell that you're a, a true fan and you have been for a long time because you use a lot of well you know tony says like it's your brother or your cousin or your uncle like you know what tony says tony says (laughs) i just i just found that very funny but one of the things i was uh the other thing i was going to say is is uh which may be the title of your book if you ever write one is i don't care if i look like an idiot um that that could be a great self-help book but what i was going to say is that's it's so true that you have to embrace being bad. I mean, you have to embrace failing, embrace the fact that I don't have, I have no clue what I'm doing here, but the only way that I get better at doing something or at how I form a habit is by just doing it. And so that, that attitude of I'm going to go and I don't care. I'm not going to pay attention to what other people are looking at or seeing or saying, if they're whispering behind me, I don't care. I got to do this for myself. And it's, uh, you know, it's one of those things that you have to sort of get over. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that too, because one of the things I used to struggle with is people would say, nobody cares what you're doing. And I knew they did because I saw them. So what I had to do was I had to learn a better way of, of thinking about that. And it was exactly what you're talking about. These people are going to think I'm an idiot. And you know what? They aren't paying my life insurance. Right. 
they're not paying my medical bills. They're not paying my grocery bill. You know, I have to do what's best for me. And I'm just going to ignore them. No. And that's, and then what I find is that when you do ignore people, I, th- I do think people start to respect you for just stepping out there and, and doing it. And I remember <laughs> my, my second husband, I, I used to really get angry with him at some of the things he did. But at the end of the day, I have to say, I admired the fact that he did not care what other people thought. And he did go out there and do some things, you know, that didn't work. But at the end of the day, he just, you know, he does it to a pathological level. But, um, you know, I think I think that's it's healthy in a way to not care what other think. Yeah. And I think that, like you said, I think as you point out that there's levels to everything. So the people that really don't care, meaning... Well, I I will say this: some people that I have come across are people that are in the media or other things that you feel like that's their attitude, and that they maybe even verbalize that attitude. Like, I don't care what you think; I'm going to say it how it is. I think sometimes people use that as a way to just say, it's almost like, "Hey, I know I'm going to say some antagonistic things. I'm going to purposely try to push your buttons." And then I'm going to follow it up with, well, I'm sorry. It's just the way that I am. I say it, I say it how it goes. And it's, it's an intentional thing rather than a, uh, you know, something like, like you said, I would be worried if I didn't care what my kids thought of me. Mm-hmm. And I would be worried if I didn't care what my wife thought of me. I, I do care what they think of me. Now, should I let that inhibit me and stop me from doing something that's going to improve me and make me a better husband or make me a better dad? No. I, and it, it really goes back to, like I said, you just have to fail and look like an idiot. Um, and I think one of the things that I have learned as really more so as a parent, I think I'm in marriage as well, but it's one of those things where uh, I think I've learned that you have to be able to say, like, I don't know what I'm doing. And even I, I think it's something that I, I don't think, I don't know if I've said this on here before, but I, I feel like my parents I always thought my parents knew everything and they did everything perfectly. They never, they never let me know. At least I don't recall when I was a child, my parents saying, Hey, I struggled with these things. I struggled with confidence. I struggled with getting good grades. I struggled with my fitness. They never let me know any of those things. And so in turn, what, what is Sorry. Oh, Nick made a face. Sorry. Yeah. I was just going uh, to do some food that, Oh, okay. So, uh, you know, so in turn, like as a child, my perception of it, whether it was reality or not, it was my perception that there was something wrong with me because I was struggling with these things. And so I never want my children to feel like they, they're abnormal in any way because they have to struggle with things because really the sooner that you can embrace that struggle and just say, yeah, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just going to push through. It's just going to be that much I don't want to say easier, but it's going to be, at least you are aware that it's a normal part of the process. I think this podcast is a great example that we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and you know, Brian, I agree with you because I have, I have children of all ages <laughs> and my 25 year old has been struggling with that. I don't know what, I, what I want to do when I grow up or what I want to be. And I have been very open with him about, I'm still figuring it out. I mean, I'm on my third career. I was a hairdresser and then I was a teacher and now I'm a realtor and I do coaching on the side. I'm writing a book. I'm doing a podcast, you know, and it's like, I'm just, you know, 
doing whatever presents itself to me that I think I might be interested. And I told him, I said, you just have to try something. And, and I think the fact that I was open with them about, I don't have all the answers and nobody does. If they're, if they tell you, they know all the, that they have all the answers, they're lying to you. Right. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Whenever I have those initial jitters, I remind myself, Nick, your first is always your worst. So just get it over with and learn from it. Yeah. Well, and which is, again, going back to like what we've all, we've talked about, we, all three of us know each other through Toastmasters and we always, we always say this is not a Toastmasters podcast, but, but we do talk about Toastmasters because it's made a big impact on our lives, not only in the relationships that we've built, but in just the, the, you know, the process and the, the result of what you get from that process. And it's exactly what we're talking about here, which is my third speech. I did my first speech and I way overprepared for my icebreaker speech, which was like four minutes long. And I thought, oh my gosh how am I going to fill four minutes? And yeah, Nick is hilariously <laughs> laughing. Right now. <laughs> now, now, now you can't get them to go <laughs> below 10. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, and I guess my point is that I overprepared and I did well. I felt like I did well. Then my I did my second speech and I did okay. My third speech fell on my face and could not, I forgot in the middle and had to start over and just everything went wrong. And I think that it's, I mean, it taught me a lesson, obviously preparation is key when you're doing, you're giving a presentation, but one of the things is that you have, you just have to know that that's a normal part of the process is messing up like that and, and being able to move forward from it and not really, it's almost like uh, some people have talked about like golfers talk about this. It's like they take one swing and they make a bad shot. By the time they get up to their ball to hit the next one, that's out of their head. They are not thinking about the last shot they hit. They're, hey, you know, go back to basics, go back to what I know, go back to the muscle memory, and just hit the ball well this time. And it's a, an interesting concept, at, at least. So, well, it reminds me um, when you were talking about that that my thought just let in. That's okay. <laughs> Welcome That's okay. to well, 55. Um, it had something to do with um, the whole concept of being a big, oh, I know what it was. It, and this is something I've learned through lots of self-help and, you know, personal development kind of, you have to surround yourself by people that are going to support. And when you're in an environment like Toastmasters or when you're going to a Tony Robbins event or whatever, it doesn't matter how awful you do something, the people around you are going to keep, you know, cheering you on and lifting you up. And, you know, and, and it's just as important for them to do that as it is for them to critique you and tell you how you can get better. But, you know, uh, Brian, when you were talking about your third speech, I can remember, and I don't remember what speech it was, but I can remember one speech. I literally, I I was kind of confident about speaking. And so I, I had gotten up to do this speech and I my mind totally went blank like it has on this podcast several times. My mind just completely went blank. And I stood there and I stood there and my hands were trembling, but I, not a single face in that crowd I mean, it's almost like I could hear the words in their minds were, it's okay, you got this, hang in there, keep going. And I got through it. And when it was over, I can remember thinking if I had been anywhere else, and this is, you know, looking back long ago, if this had been 10 years ago and I had been in some other environment, I would have been mortified. 
I would have been embarrassed. I probably would have never come back. Yeah. But I literally was able to, after it was over, you know, let go of it. And it was like, <laughs> I feel like such an idiot. You know, I can't believe I couldn't come up with that word. But when I said it, I didn't mean, you know, like that self-talk, you're an idiot. I just was like, you know. And, and I was truly able to just let it go. And then I did learn from it. You know, I was like, okay, I realized what I was doing. I was kind of what you were talking about, Brian. I was overprepared. Mm -hmm. And so I had these very specific, neat little phrases that I wanted to use. And because I couldn't grasp those particular words, I couldn't move on. So now it's like, okay, I'm not going to ever be so tied to the words because I just want the message to come across. So right. it doesn't have to be, yeah, it's nice to have those great little phrases and clips that come out, but I would rather keep moving and keep the thought going than to be frozen there in time going, oh my God, what was that word? The irony, by the way, of my, my third speech is the topic was, uh, it was, it was researcher topic and it was, the <laughs> it was, it was, it was the Titanic was my topic. So I literally <laughs> <laughs> was giving a speech about a catastrophe and a boat sinking and I completely sank. <laughs> <laughs> you demonstrated. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I hit the iceberg literally on stage, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is what going well, down with the ship looks like. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. That, that was not the right use of literal. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I wanted to ask too about, uh, well, I, I, just a little bit of uh, thoughts on, on Tony Robbins from my perspective is, I know that he obviously started out as, uh, you know, basically almost like general self-help where he's, he was sort of talking about, you know, taking my concepts and applying them to anything. And it doesn't matter whether you're a teacher or whether you're a hairdresser or whether you're a, and I, which I really enjoy. I always like self-help people. I mean, I'll, there's a lot of them that are like this, but that literally it's, I just want you to be better as whatever you want to be. And, and so I, I like that, but then later I was going to say is what I've, I've read and near and dear to my heart is more recent books in the last five or six years, maybe six or seven years, or he's got branched out and done specific books about finance mm -hmm. and talked about, so he has the, the, I think it's winning the money game. It was 2014 or 15, something like that, mm -hmm. five or six years ago. And then this is the one I'm actually about a third of the way through that right now. That's is sort of, it's called the path. Sorry, I'm showing it on video, but nobody out there can see that. So um, I have, yeah, and I have both. So it's called the path and uh, not sort of, sort of Tony Robbins light because he, he only wrote a portion of that book with another person who's more of a financial person, but the concepts are, are still there. And it's, it's interesting to me. And I, I'm obviously using this as a way to have different ways that I can discuss these topics with my clients and the the winning the money game was very very detailed I really used that as a reference I didn't if you read that read that cover to cover then I I really uh, am impressed by you but um, but that one is more like hey I want to know what what exactly is a mutual fund and how would I invest my money and all of these other things uh, that are very more general topics and and this one actually goes in a little bit in that way but I what I enjoy is the the chapters that Tony wrote were very much in the vein of what I was talking about, which is, hey, this doesn't matter that I'm talking about money. I happen to be talking about money in this book, but it doesn't matter. You can use these concepts for really anything in your life. And uh, and so 
that and that leads me sort of to my question is what do you think the biggest change or the biggest positive thing that has come out of i know you talked about taking action steps but um you know out of being involved with tony robbins and all of his uh teachings and everything else his books and live events and things like that what would you say is the most or the biggest change i should say that you've made well i think it is and it's it's been something that's really happened over time i think it is just learning the concept that modeling is what will get you where you want to go faster because i've i've made tons and tons of progress in a lot of areas of my life and i'm still not where i want to be but i came from a very similar background to his um you know alcoholism in the family and you know tumultuous childhood and you know the thing i think that has kept me um so interested in him is that like with the money thing and with that first book his whole point was i want to take the best knowledge out there about money and i want to bring it to everyone you know and i say down not necessarily like looking down on people but right. to people that don't have a lot of of knowledge about right. money right so you know that was his thing and so um what he has always done is said you know like if he's working with an athlete you know we want to find out what the best you know the fastest the most whatever athlete is and we're going to model that and so that i think is the biggest change and and so nick you probably have heard me talk about this so as an example, I really struggled with clutter. And so what I did was I kept looking around till I found someone, not that was just talking about it, but that had actually done it, that had lived. She was a, um, a work from home mother. She could never keep her house straight and all that. So she developed this program and it was like, I started doing it and my life changed. And lady? so fly lady. Yeah. Ah, sorry. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> And so I recommend her to people all the time. And, you know, so then along the way, you know, I hear about Marie Kondo and then I just last year read Goodbye Things. And so I, I, I'm constantly, you know, working on that area of my life because I know if I stop, it's the conditioning thing. If I stop exercising, you know, I'm going to be out of shape. If I stop focusing on keeping my space decluttered mm -hmm. and, and keeping it organized, it will fall into, into disarray again. So yeah, I, and, and I've tried to practice that in everything that I'm doing. So, you know, um, when I came to real estate, I immediately started looking at who is doing real estate in a way that I want to do it. Um, you know, I don't necessarily want to be this mega agent with a huge team, you know, who can I model that is a single solo agent that really cares about his clients mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and is managing to do it on his own. And so I found somebody that does just that and I'm modeling his, you know, his way of doing it. So yeah, I would, I would think the biggest change is that I've learned how to, when I want to change something, I find somebody to model and I, to move yeah. myself well, forward. Yeah. I'm hearing the modeling, but I'm also, I'm also hearing uh, systems are like having continual practice. Yeah. So I'm curious what you, you mentioned, the, at least you touched on things you look for when, finding someone to model but could you maybe list some of those things that from the abstract like if i wanted to model someone who i know was a professional diver or a financial planner like what 
what was your your sort of meta checklist of things to look for? Well, I mean, the primary thing for me is, like I said, it, it's to find someone who's done what I wanted to do, right. but I want it to be someone who is, you know, similar to me. So I, I obviously am not going to look for someone who has had a completely different upbringing. And, and there's the, a lot of times the only way that you know that is to just delve in and find out what these people are about. Um, you know, there are people that I will, I will start to read their material or whatever, and I'll realize, yeah, they have no idea. They haven't been where I've been. This is not going to work for me. You know, like as an example, Mel Robbins is someone I love. And Mel Robbins has had some of the same struggles that I've had. And so I think that's why she resonates with me or I you know, resonate. With me. But um, so I think, you know, someone who's done what I want to do, someone who's, you know, somewhat similar to me, like I said, with with Fly Lady, you know, she had the same type of environment. And then um, and, and I think systems naturally are a part of people that are successful. I mean, I feel like you can haphazardly be successful. But I think it's probably takes a lot of work and it's probably not sustainable. So I think what happens is these people that accomplish these things develop that, you know, that strategy, those those systems as they go. In fact, that's one of the things that I've been working on in my business is that um, I've had some success and now I have to it's almost like the whole ready, fire, aim. Mm -hmm. So. I got ready, I jumped in, I started doing this stuff, and now I'm like, okay, there are a lot of things that I could have done a lot more efficiently. So now let's go back and look at how should I be doing them going forward. And so I'm just now really developing myself for that. What a, back, back to recommendations. You had recommended the live event. Was there a book? If Say, say the live event was you know, cost or prohibitive. My favorite book is um, Awaken the Giant Within. Um, and really, it's funny to me because Tony Robbins will tell you he does not like to write. And that's why there were so many years between Unlimited Power and Awaken the Giant Within. But um, Awaken the Giant Within was my favorite, and I feel like it's the most practical. But again, it, it is still very much into the technical um aspects of NLP and, and all these different things, but it does have exercises in the book that you can, um, that you can, and it, and it will say, you know, don't move on to the next chapter until you do this, you know? And, uh, and I was guilty. I mean, I would read the chapter and then go on to the next chapter. And I think that's why the live events really hit it home for me because now I'll go back and reread it. And this time I will do. And, and like I said, I've had these books for years. But now I will actually go back and do them and do the exercises along the way. I think I think that's a huge takeaway, just that, you know, application is key. Because as you say that, I'm thinking back to books I've read and they would have, you know, questions to ask for reflection at the end of a chapter or even action steps or a list of possible action steps to choose from. And, you know, skip past those two. But, but not always, right? And when I look back and think about the books that had the most impact in my life, they were the ones where I actually took the stuff that I read and applied it the next day or found, looked for, looked for and found ways to act on it and did so. Yeah. And it's just forming that habit or I would love to be a part of a group that just had that as its mission statement, you know, act on self-help stuff. Yeah. I kind of got my chops busted last year about that. My, the head of the coaching program where I work, 
um, you know, I've been so proud of myself. I was bragging that I read 36 books this year. I, you know, I read 36. And she really busted my chops and said, and what did you do with what you read? You know, and I was like, I did a lot. Several of the books that I read are books that I've read over and over. You know, Nick, The One Thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I read several other books that I re- that I do reread every year. Um, but at the same time, I did read a lot of books. And I thought, oh, that's neat. And then I didn't do anything with it. So, you know, I'm always learning. And there are, you know, for whatever reason, there are times that I will, you know, a particular book really resonates with me and I will do the exercises in it and that kind of stuff. And I'm actually making a commitment this year not to be so focused on the number of books that I read, but that I really use the information. I'm actually reading Daniel Pink's book, When Right. I think, Nick, too, that like talking about that, uh, <laughs> it's interesting to me when when people don't do the exercises. And I'm, I'm, I say when people... Meaning, like, I'm not one of those people, which is totally false because <laughs> I have a bunch of self-help books that I've read a third of and that I didn't do the exercises in. So we've all been there. But I think that on some level, we all know that when we start writing things down and we start documenting things, that it gets real. If you're just thinking about it, it's not anywhere except in your brain. So you are almost like, well, I don't really have to act on that because I haven't really put it anywhere it's not like carved in stone like I'll act on that if I want to or if I feel like it or if it's convenient but and I think that's what those exercises do I think that they're intended to be the no you need to start saying what do you want where do you want to go how are you going to get there you need to start and that's it goes back to we were talking about action items before but that goes to the other side of it which is the you know the the preparation and the sort of and we've talked about it too in our in our series that we've been uh, publishing about New Year's resolutions is, you know, part of it is setting the goal, but then also analyzing the goal and saying, seeing whether or not that goal is re- right for you, whether it's, we talk about the smart, you know, that specific measurable, attainable, uh, relevant. are <laughs> relevant, relevant and time-based. Yeah. I mean, smarts for support. Yeah, the second S is support. Right. And that's one of the things actually back way back in, in earlier in our conversation, you were talking about getting support and being around supportive groups. And that's one of the things that we came up with is that it's hard. We talk about it in like terms of, for instance, like, let's say you're an alcoholic and, and I am. <laughs> <laughs> so well, let's just say out. hypothetically speaking well, that Mary's an alcoholic. Go, uh, go, ahead, go ahead and speak for Mary, Brian. Let's, let's see how this turns out. <laughs> Well, maybe, Why don't you mansplain yeah exactly yeah yeah right, right exactly coming from the non-alcoholic to telling the alcoholic how things are as alcoholics <laughs> that's funny no but I, I mean our point is that 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 is something that you can achieve by yourself but there's so many groups and and also there's a I, and you can correct me if i'm wrong but one of the big things is changing those environments that you're in where you're around other people and it's the same patterns and same habits of, Hey, I always have a beer when I do this, or I always have a drink when we go out for cocktails on Friday nights. All right. Well, some of that might be like, Hey, I can't go out with those people anymore. I can't go watch the game at the bar anymore. Maybe not forever, but at least, you know, while you're, you know, in, in some sort of transitional state. And so, um, you know, it's just, uh, and I forgot where we were, sort of where we were going with that because I got off, off, off the topic. But well, I think the, the central theme that's emerged from our conversation about Tony Robbins is this action orientation, right? That right. 
Um, you know, Taking I'm massive action. Yeah, I'm reminded of you know Benjamin Franklin's quote that you know tell tell me and I forget, teach me and I remember, involve me and I learn. But then you know Toastmasters and you know Mary, you mentioned some other groups that you've been a part of that it's all about doing, right? That you know Toastmasters is an organization about you know you learn by doing, and that experience trumps instruction. Yeah. Every time. You think about even when you you get instruction, what do you do when you when you um, you know test it for bullcrap? You you judge it against your experience. Like, does that match what I already know? Does that match what I've already lived? So it's yeah, just just do it. If, yeah. The, yeah. I mean, there's because yeah, there is there is. We we meant I think there was some mention before about there's you know there's no there's no value in planning compared to action, but planning. Is still good, right? You still want to um, forget what what does Stephen Covey say? You know, you begin with the end in mind. Yeah. The something about drawing something like you you builds it twice, does it yeah. first in his mind and then yep, and then again and with his hands. Like whoever yep. builds anything builds it twice. Um, you know, you want to measure twice and cut once, but you've got to cut, right? Sorry. Like so much of self help is. Um, mental masturbation it makes you feel good like oh i'm reading this i'm, I'm improving myself i'm reading 36 books a day um you know i like to talk in this podcast about this kind of stuff but mm-hmm. i don't go and actually apply it and right i'm not practicing what i preach <laughs> well this has been awesome and enlightening for me i don't know if it has for you nick but it sounds like it has i'm i'm fired up i'm ready to do something with my life <laughs> Let's get off this call so it's I can about do time. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been great having you here, Mary, and thank you so much for agreeing to come and chat with us this afternoon. And, and I know I was talking about a subject that you love, so it wasn't probably too hard for you, but we do Not appreciate your time. And uh, I guess the next thing would be just if if somebody wanted to get a hold of you and uh, you know, email you, get on, get in contact with you on social media, or what would be the best way to do that? And, and is there anything else that you'd like to sort of plug about yourself? I was saying earlier, I'm a multi-potentialite and I have lots of irons in the fire. If you need real estate, mary.dunn at kw.com. Of course, the reason I'm in uh, at Keller Williams is because they're all about personal growth, you know, and that kind of thing. So that's one of the reasons that I'm there. And I actually teach classes there. But I also still tutor on the side and do some coaching. And if you're interested in coaching, mary at helpalongthepath.com. There are probably a few other places you can reach me, but those are probably the best two. You can find me on social media, but I'll be honest, I try to avoid it as much as possible. So um, I check it when I have to and post when I need to. But yeah, and I would would love to pop back in any other time you want to talk about anything related so you know. we might take you up on that yeah it's high praise i'm glad you, <laughs> you enjoyed yourself we, we loved having you yeah we, we hope to have you back soon well thank you and, guys so much yeah and if you want to get a hold of us you want to tell them nick i know i already mentioned it once in this podcast but sure yeah our email address is help yourself at brynick.com it's the first three letters of brian b-r-y and the last for the first three letters of nick n-i-c dot com help yourself at brynick.com now go out and do something yeah go out and do it (laughs) put on your nikes listen to a cassette tape of tony robbins and do something (laughs) with your life or back it help yourself at brynick.com until next time
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from Help Yourself, you can follow on Instagram at helpyourselfthepodcast. And to contact Brian and Nick, email helpyourself at brynick.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.